right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Newt News. It's good to have you here with us today on uh, May 7th here. So the Cardinals, as of this recording, just got their first win in about 10 days, which, which is pretty tough. Uh, we've been waiting for something to go right. And it was, it was a good game today. So we'll be recapping today's game, this Tiger series. Uh, and then also since we were last here, the Cardinals got swept at home by the Angels. So we'll be recapping that. And then we're going to get right into it and preview the next couple series, including this Cubs series. So, you know, stay tuned, uh, get ready for a really fun show. So <laughs> on the topic of show, we had Showtime in St. Louis recently. Uh, sorry, I had to insert that there. Uh, as you know, Shohei Otani is Andrew's favorite player. Um, and he got to be at the game, actually. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about what it was like to be there to see Shohei in person. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, atmosphere completely electric. So many people there just to, to see Shohei. Uh, first, yeah. The first game I was at, um, I got flamed by some of you guys uh, for going full Angels. Um, I realized I, I missed the memo because a lot of the fans there were wearing their Otani Angels jersey or their Otani Japan jersey and wearing the Cardinals hat. So uh, I apologize for my mistake there. I um, fixed that for the second game where he, when he actually started having the Cardinal hat on. Um, and the Otani jersey. So we're all good there. But it was just like really, really fun to see all the fans coming out, supporting this one player and like truly the face of baseball. Like I've never seen this for, for anyone else. Maybe the last time you can say something like that happened at Bush Stadium was when Abu Pujols came back with the Angels last time. Um, I, I would imagine it was probably pretty similar to that. So many people holding up signs saying Otani. Uh, give me a sign baseball or Otani will you sign with St. Louis which of course we would we would like to see that um, but yeah it was really really fun atmosphere the game was interesting um, the Cardinals get to Otani actually I think we scored four runs off of him he struck out 13 Cardinals got his 500 strikeout um, but like in all fairness the Cardinals did beat Shohei Otani on uh, yeah. Wednesday and Unfortunately, we got beat by what was it, Jake Lamb? Jake and, Lamb and Mike Trout. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Mike Trout, you understand. Like Mike Trout, one of the best players ever. But like you can't. Like, I was really hoping that if the Cardinals were gonna lose to the Angels, it would be at least because we lost to their star players. Like you lose to Shohei Otani, you don't feel too bad about it. But you lose to Jake Lamb on a pinch hit home run, that just feels terrible. So um, really not a good, good thing to see. Cardinal fans start booing. Like we've never, we've never really seen that before in our lifetime. Um, so just not a, not a good series. And then the game after that was even worse. I think Flaherty blows up for like 10 runs in the first like two innings. And I mean, you just get swept. That's how, that's how it goes. Yeah. So a game by game look, I mean, that was just a you know, one piece in a broader context of a very frustrating series. So the Cardinals come home after a really tough road trip where they go two and eight ends with a sweep at the hands of the Dodgers. So no one's feeling too great. Um, lost a, a one run game in each series of that road trip, which is really, really tough. Um, you know, the one Oh lost the Dodgers, particularly frustrating personally. And so you come home, you get a day off a new series, a new month, so many things that just tell you, okay, it's time to reset. And Immediately, Steven Matz goes out there and gives up four runs in the first two innings. And it just felt like a lot more of the same. Uh, first game, I believe, an eight or a five to one Angels victory. Um, very, very tough, especially in a game Shohei didn't even play in. 
So you really wanted to get that win before you had to face him the next day. Sandoval dealt. He looked great. But the Cardinals had chances. Um, couldn't do anything with runners in scoring position as usual. Following night, Nolan Gorman ambushes Shohei Otani in the first inning, drives one way over the fence. Then later on, he got another home run uh, to make it, I believe, a three-to-one game, right? I think it was four-three. And then the Cardinals scored a Okay, you're right. But the Cardinals, whatever the case, were leading when Otani departed the game. He was in line to take – was that his first loss of the season? Yeah, he's – in line to take his first loss of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, he didn't take that loss. Unfortunately, Gio came into the game, just couldn't handle um, Jake Lamb and Mike Trout, who blew him up, which is a real shame because I, I really like that move from Marmol. I know Helsley probably wasn't available. Um, I, I liked the move. It is what it is. Because that was the game that Helsley pitched the eighth, Correct. Yeah, so he comes in for the seven. Yeah, um, yeah with one out left in the seven. And then he gets, gets set like out and then pitches. the eight. Yeah. He was at 10 pitches. Um, so he, yeah, in terms of pitch count, in theory, was available. But uh, Marmol yeah. said later on that he wasn't available because they didn't want him getting hot and cold and hot and cold and hot and cold again, which yeah. makes sense. Um, we want to protect your, your uh, high leverage relievers. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Gallegos had only given up one run the entire season. And then he gives up three to the Angels there. You don't really want to see that. So, Yeah, I mean, relievers are going to go through tough stretches. It's just really unfortunate that Gallegos has to start right now. He's had plenty of low leverage chances where I'd be fine with him giving up a couple runs <laughs> here and there. Uh, but they all come in one game, cost the Cardinals again. Um, so that was their second blown save in yep. what, probably a four or five-day span going back to the one with the Giants. So that's really tough. You hate to see him blow that lead. And then in the last game, like Andrew uh, referenced earlier, Flaherty just got absolutely torched. Didn't even stay in three innings. Uh, I believe he gave up 10 earned runs, which is really tough. Um, Really, really hurts for Jack because he was having a really solid year. Definitely flying under the radar a little bit, but had an ERA hovering right around three. Uh, Looked like he was kind of back to form. Now, obviously, his, his stats are ruined for the foreseeable future. Ballooned his ERA above six. Um, Maybe one positive with that is the Cardinals could re-sign Flaherty for cheaper. Um, I think that's really going to hurt his case. He's definitely a by-the-numbers guy. Uh, and that was going to be a big talking point for him uh, to have to get teams to pay him up, even though he's got that injury history. I think he was going to say, look what I provide when I'm healthy. Uh, but he's not going to be able to point to that at this point. So really tough for Jack. Hate to see that because he's someone we really like and we're rooting for. Uh, and then in this most recent series against the Tigers, the frustration just <laughs> built even further, right? So game one, uh, Cardinals have a lead. You know the drill, though. They, they blow up. They lose it. And yeah, game one was just a really tough game. Um, the Cardinals went down early on a Javi Baez home run to left field, I believe. And it was I, I remember watching this and thinking there's no way that gets out. It was only hit at 94 miles an hour, but it cleared the wall, unfortunately, you hate to see Javi Baez doing damage to the Cardinals as a long time Javi Baez, not supporter. I can't say hater. (laughs) Um, That was tough to see, but the Cardinals battled back. Andrew Kisner recorded his first home run of the year. Arenado drove in a run and then Carlson got on with the fielder's choice. It was a great play from Kisner. Still swim move into home plate Uh, before 
you know, things unraveled in the seventh, right? So you had Jordan Hicks come in the game with a one-run lead in the seventh. He walked the first batter, and after that, it was all downhill. Ends up giving up three runs, but the Cardinals bowed back in the eighth. Uh, ended up scoring a run on a Lars Newpar ground rule double. But uh, unfortunately, the ball got out of play, and so yeah. you couldn't bring home the young who would have scored had it remained in. Cardinals fell 5-4. The really frustrating part about that game was the fact that the Birds went 3-13 for 13 with runners in scoring position, um, but only one of those hits even scored a run. So in reality, they went 1-13 for because they couldn't bring the people home from second. So that was just another frustrating situational hitting performance. And then I think yesterday was probably the most frustrating of all. Mm-hmm. Another one-run loss, this time in extras. This time the Cardinals blew two leads. Uh, they had a 3 nothing lead, which they blew after a couple of missed calls. And then they had a 5-3 lead after Arnato hit a home run, which they blew in consecutive innings, giving up a run before just absolutely going silent against Detroit's bullpen at the end of the game and falling in extras. Detroit scored the commissioner's runner on a couple sacrifices, and the Cardinals looked absolutely lost. Stranded the bases loaded a couple times. I believe the Cardinals went, let me check this out, one for eight with runners in scoring position. So all in all, it was truly a terrible series with runners in scoring position. They had 21 at-bats in those first two games, and runners scored on two of them. Terrible. I mean, yeah, you have the botched uh, called strike three to that um, one hitter, and then Kisner got the runner at second. It was pretty obvious. Yeah, I was sure he got him. Everyone watching the replay, except for the people who actually review the replay, apparently. Um, so should have been a double play. Instead, now you got two runners on. Um, both of them should have been out. I don't know. There's, there's not much you can really do there. I think Ollie pointed out the other day that, like, yeah, we're, we're playing one opponent in the Tigers, but now we're also playing against the umpires who seem to have it out for us um, every night. I think there were some pretty bad calls in the first game as well that could have yep. swung another one-run game in our favor. But I guess that's just not that's just not in the cards for us. Um, and fortunately, we almost blew it today with uh, JoJo Romero giving up a, a grand slam. Oh, my gosh. Don't that get me started. Really, really painful. Um, after the Edmund error, um, I think five hundred runs for the Tigers out of their six. Um, but thankfully, the Cardinals rallied um, out, after a couple of uh, Tigers made errors. Um, and Goldschmidt with three home runs, like he really yeah. loved to see that. Um, he hit his first home run with runners on today. Really? Had he gone six for six solo shots? Yep. That was what they said on the on the call. And uh, finally... Uh, hit a two-run shot um, to give us a little bit of insurance, which is absolutely wild. Yeah, I've seen um, the Cardinals have just a ridiculously high rate of solo home runs compared to home runs with runners on. I mean, you just can't do anything about that, too. That's what's so frustrating. The Cardinals are are liable to hit three or four bombs in a game every once in a while, but all of them are going to come with the bases empty. Then they load the bases and they forget how to play baseball, it seems. You touched on something a minute ago, Andrew, though, uh umpire frustration that really really seems to be a salient issue with cardinals fans right now um that review was just among the worst this season i mean it it seemed very clear to me that he got him jim Edmonds on the call seemed very convinced that the runner was out and he's not and at the same time an egregious missed third strike on a curve a wainwright curveball i mean that's just not a hard pitch i'm sorry uh whoever the hell was behind the plate 
that's not a hard pitch. You shouldn't miss that. There's, there's really no reason to miss that ball. It's right down the middle. It's going 71 miles an hour. You've got to pick that up. And, and this comes after game one where Junior Valentine had a historically bad performance. I mean, really one for the ages. 79% strike accuracy, according to umpire scorecards. It, truly terrible. I don't know if any of our viewers saw the shot of him smiling after absolutely screwing over Nolan Arenado in the ninth inning. But, I mean, it was pathetic. MLB needs to do something about it because it was just a terrible, terrible game by a terrible, terrible umpire. And he deserved to hear everything that Ali Marmel had to say. Um, so umpire frustrations, very, very valid excuse or not excuse, very, very valid frustration right now, but still not an excuse. And I think that gets to the heart of why this team's lost so many close games. I see a lack of resilience. Yeah, uh, also begs the question, does Ali Marmol um, have just beef with every single umpire? Because we know uh, Buckner uh, and him yeah. refused to shake hands in a spring training game. Maybe the umpires just hey, don't. It wasn't, it wasn't Ali. Ali tried to shake his hand. Buckner, oh, yeah, yeah. Buckner I know wouldn't. that. But um, it seems like him and a lot of umpires have issues with each other. So I don't know. I, I like the way he handles the situation. I like watching him run out and scream at the umpire for like 10 minutes before he gets the final leaves, leaves the field dejected. But I mean, it was about damn yeah. time though. Okay. Yeah. Ali, Ali, in my opinion, he has not been protective enough of some of his players. Some of what's going on. It is about time. He got his butt out of the dugout and said something. I mean, I think something a lot of Cardinals fans really liked about Ali last year was kind of the firebrand persona that he brought, you know, he really seemed like someone who could be easily set off and just, you know, really get after somebody who didn't, you know, uh, who attacked his players. Ali seemed like someone who really defended his team. Uh, and he showed that last year. And this offseason, he had plenty of, you know, strong words, uh, choice words. It seemed like that was going to be the Cardinals culture moving forward, especially bringing in Contreras, you know, a known competitive guy, a real firecracker, a winner. And I just haven't seen that at all from this team this year. Yeah. In fact, this team just seems to lay down in big moments. And that is, that is not what you want to see. So it was really nice to see Ali finally get up and finally do something because he needs to protect his team more. And, you know, all we've seen this year are the negative consequences of that. The, the Ali Tyler O'Neill beef, which I think has been really overplayed. I don't think it's that big a deal, um, but that got out and everyone had problems with that. And now you see kind of the downside of that, that, um, that trade of Ali, you know, that, uh, that fierceness. And I'd like to see it channeled in a good way again. I'd like to see more competitiveness moving forward from this team. I want to see Ali quicker to, to defend the guys. Yeah, you brought up the Contreras signing, and I think we have to pivot into a little bit more of a negative yeah. topic. Um, yeah. So yesterday it's announced that the Cardinals, for whatever reason, have some frustrations um, with Wilson Contreras' pitch calling. Um, defensively, I think he's been fine. He's shown off the arm a little bit, but they don't like the way he calls pitches. And they say that he won't be catching in the foreseeable future, at least for a week or so. And um, they're going to get him to work on his catching. They don't even know if he's going to be the catcher like of the future, if they're going to have him catch every day, which is what you signed him to do, like, what, three to like six months ago? Like, well, like what are we doing? Um, and yeah, I'm just a little bit shocked by the fact that one, Kisner is still up um, despite hitting like 
140 with like a 500 OPS through like the first few months of the season. Had a had an OPS of negative five before his first home run the other day. He's been hitting a little bit better now, but um, you signed Contreras to to catch. Um, I don't think his pitch calling is the reason our pitchers are, are struggling right now. And I just don't know what the plan is because you're going to stick him in the outfield. You're going to have him DH a lot and you're going to have an easy out lineup every single day with Kisner. Um, so what do you think the plan is with Contreras? Yeah, there, this, there's a lot of facets to this. It's, it's going to be really interesting. It's a very multidimensional issue. Um, first off, just going back to the offseason, let's just start to, to take this apart and really dissect it. So something that I heard from a lot of people was there has to be a catcher. There has to be a catcher. Something needs to happen, right? Yachty retires. Cardinals all of a sudden for the first time in about 15 years need a catcher. Longer than 15 years. What, like 17 years? They need a catcher. So Kisner was terrible last year. And Herrera obviously wasn't ready. So it seemed both within and outside of the organization Everyone knew the Cardinals needed to acquire some sort of catcher. Um, personally, I really wanted it to be Contreras. I looked around. He seemed like the best option. Obviously, the Cardinals agreed, and they make the deal. They signed Contreras to be the catcher of the future, five-year deal. And it looks like Contreras is going to be the long-term solution here. The reason we love Contreras, right, is because the catcher is a, is a premium position defensively, which means a lot of times teams sacrifice – offensive production to have someone behind the plate who can make up for that with their defense. And that's something the Cardinals have done for a long time with Yachty. Yachty really hasn't been a league average hitter since about 2016. So we had about six, seven seasons in there where he was not doing a lot at the plate. Mm-hmm. He made up for it, obviously, you know, by putting up incredible, you know, <laughs> all MLB defensive numbers. And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why Yachty's an all-time great. But that's the whole thing, right? So it seemed like Contreras was going to be additional offensive production, and it was going to be a really good thing for this team. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to be an outfielder. In Contreras' best season, he had a 128 OPS+. plus. That's really good for a catcher in today's game. That's really good at a defensive premium position. But out in left or right field, that's fine. And we need him to do that and then still contribute in the field. Like, I'm not sure he's going to be even an average fielder out there. I know he has a little bit of outfield experience, which is important to know. He played a little bit of outfield for the Cubs early on, especially because they had the whole thing with Ross being Lester's personal catcher and they wanted his, you know, wanted his bat in the lineup every day. I'd be fine with Contreras going to the outfield once a week, but I don't know. I really don't like it. I think the only reason you sign Contreras is because you wanted an offensive catcher for the first time in a while, switching up philosophy a little bit, which I'm fine with. But well, if he's not like catcher. Was his pitch calling really even that bad? Because we've seen Kisner catch the last two games. And the pitching is sold for us in those games as well. Like today, you have Romero serving up that grand slam. That wasn't Contreras. He wasn't there. But it yeah. was another, yet another two-strike home run that the Cardinals give up. Like, are, are we going to – like? Are we going to blame Kisner's poor pitch calling as well? Or is it just our pitchers and our pitching philosophy with the new shift rules needs to change? Um, I think that that's more of what it is than, than any catcher's fault um, for poor pitch calling. Because Kisner last season, pitch calling was fine. But, I mean, we see today yeah. that his, like, it wasn't necessarily a good pitching performance. We won the game, but we still gave up six runs in not hey, five a five Okay, but, like, you still don't want to serve up a grand slam to the nine hole hitter. 
No, you don't. You don't want to see another backup catcher take us deep in a big spot. You know, it, it is it is definitely frustrating. And I agree with you, actually. I think one of the most defining moments of this Cardinal season was the game in San Francisco, where Helsley has a, you know, what was it, a 4-3 lead, 4-2 yeah. to lead. And Blake Sabble, or whatever his name is, comes to the dish. Dude cannot hit fastballs, mashes breaking balls. He's a career backup catcher because – he is not a complete hitter at the major league level. And for some reason, Helsley threw six straight sliders. Last one got left up in the zone and he took him straight away center field, you know, 420 dead center game over. Kisner's behind, or Kisner was not behind the plate. That's Contreras calling for six sliders. Now, the bigger question for me is, is Contreras doing this or is this upper management? that's dictating this kind of stuff. This whole team all year, in my opinion, has reeked of micromanagement. So I'm not even sure it's Contreras. He feels a lot like a scapegoat to me. Um, I don't really understand the move. Yeah, he seemed to take it pretty well. Like he said, yeah, he's an employee of this team. He's going to do whatever is asked of him, but surely he has to be frustrated because he signed this deal. He wanted to come to this organization. And we've seen a lot of teams deal with catching changes over the last couple of years, like with Romuto to the Phillies. Um, and those moves never really like result in anything like major with the pitching. Uh, and I think Contreras is just fine pitch calling his defensively as a catcher, of course, not going to be Molina, but you can't ask for anyone to be that. Um, it's really unrealistic, especially when you're getting so much out of his bat. And I don't really know why, they're doing this so early. I don't know why they're saying that he can't necessarily be the catcher of the future. You're really limiting yourself, um, especially even more. You have too many outfielders. You just added another one. I guess you have two catchers now with Contreras and Barrera, neither of whom have like really proven themselves offensively at the major league level. This lineup depended on Contreras at catcher. Um, we needed solid production out of that spot, and we just don't have that anymore, I guess because management decided, hey, we want Contreras to be a DH or a left fielder or whatever they want him to be. So, um, yeah. And looking towards next offseason, we've talked about this before. There's two starting pitchers that we're really looking at um, that will legitimately help this rotation. Of course, you want to bring Montgomery back because he's been really good. And you have Matt and Mike. Real, real quick, yeah. let me just interject something before we move off of the Contreras team pitching debate. Yeah. The Cardinals have the 19th best ERA team ERA in baseball. Like that's not good, but that's not, that's not what people are making it out to be. It's not as if the Cardinals are among the bottom two or three teams. We're not the Oakland A's with a 725 team ERA, but we're not the Philadelphia Phillies with something over five. The Cardinals mm -hmm. are currently tied with Detroit running a 4.59 ERA. It's not good, but it's pretty close to league average. I mean, that that's not that bad. They're also using, they have an offense that's in the top 10 in almost every category. So again, I, I just, I don't understand why the front office is going to go out and blame Contreras for this. It seems to me like an organizational philosophy perhaps, but it's also just an inability to win the close games and the pitching staff for all of what it's been made out to be has a better ERA than the Mets. And they signed Justin Verlander. So Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in because it's been really frustrating to see people 
you know, with all these doomsday prognostications about this pitching staff? Yeah, I mean, we have to look to the future. Um, you have Jordan Walker coming up, who is not a good defensive outfielder. He's gone down to Memphis specifically to work on that. He hasn't really been hitting well in Memphis. I'm not that concerned about him. I'm not worried about his bat. No, but like, he's not a good defensive outfielder. If you have Contreras in the outfield, he's not good defensively. Yeah. As far as we know, like, he could be really good, but he's not an outfielder. Um, Carlson's pretty good. Newt Barr, like, you just have another lockjam in the outfield um, for the foreseeable future. And you look towards next season, um, we got to get one of the marquee starting pitchers yep. to be in on them. Um, and we decided that there were two. Um, that One of them is Aaron Nola from the Phillies, who would fit in really well. A lot of good strikeout stuff. Um, and I think his ERA balloons a little bit because the Phillies defense is really bad. Cardinals, in theory, shouldn't have a bad defense, unless Contreras is in the outfield, um, I guess. But um, he would be a really good addition to this team. But you can't just bank on one starting pitcher. You have to be bidding on all of the top starting pitchers because they're free agents. And at the end of the day, it's up to them where they sign. So the other free agent starting pitcher is Shohei Otani, um, which like, yeah, of course, I think everyone wants him on the Cardinals, but you also have to take into account that Shohei Otani is not two people, right? If you just want pitcher Shohei Otani, you're also getting hitter Shohei Otani. Like this is the one time my I guess, argument. I yes. guess you want. I guess you want now to split Shohei Otani into two people, so yes. you have that pitcher. But if you sign him to whatever deal that he wants, like just in theory, if the Cardinals were to sign him, you have to DH him every single day. Yeah, but now you can't. Now you can't be in on Shohei Otani because you have a DH signed for the next four years in Contreras. If that's what they're going to. I have to ask. Do you th- okay? I think this is a short-term move. I really think Contreras to the outfield is it reeks of short-term move to me. And here's why Tyler O'Neill's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. I think when Tyler O'Neill comes back, Tyler O'Neill will be on the active roster unless he gets traded, which is possible. I, I don't want to be predicting that he's getting shipped out. I like O'Neill. I still really love his ceiling. I love his potential on this team. I think when O'Neill comes back, they have to move Contreras back to catching. O'Neill's hurt. He's on the 15 day, right? So he could be out as much as long as four or five weeks. I haven't really heard a lot of updates. They've kept that situation pretty quiet, it seems. So I think that Contreras is going to be moving back to catching within a month, hopefully. Fingers crossed, because I really don't like this move. I mean, I've heard that long-term, they don't even know what the plan is. They don't necessarily view that Contreras is going to be like a permanent catcher of the future. Like that's that to me doesn't make any sense. Like maybe towards the end of his career, you can shift him into the outfield, maybe give him some DH days, but. I mean, like, maybe he could be like a up. first baseman. Yeah. And after Goldie yeah. is done playing the field. You just can't do that with um, a guy you paid, what, $85 million over the next five years. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. This um, is probably the most directionless I've ever seen mm-hmm. this franchise. And this is actually one move in a broader context of directionlessness that you haven't seen out of Mosellock since he took over this role, right? So you had the Cardinals on opening day commit to Jordan Walker being on this roster. He was sent down within three weeks. If you're going to put him on the roster, he's got to be up here for at least a month. And I agree. I didn't want him on the roster in the first place. I expressed my hesitations about that. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to be up here, you've got to commit to developing him here. Then after that, the Cardinals had committed in spring training to Zach Thompson, 
being a reliever. Mm-hmm. Zach Thompson just got sent down and they're going to lengthen him out and stretch him out to be a starter. That doesn't make any sense. You just committed to him being a long-term reliever. It seemed like he found his role as the top lefty in this bullpen. And I know that cabbie has been great. And I'm excited about the cabbie resurgence, but we need two strong lockdown lefties. Jojo Romero obviously is not that. I have no idea why they would try to convert Zach Thompson into being a starting pitcher right now. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now you have Contreras, the catcher, who's all of a sudden now they're committed to him being an outfielder. I mean, it's just the Cardinals are really going back on their words in a lot of places here. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit frightening. It kind of feels like, you know, topsy-turvy day, just changing everything around on us. And it's not something I'm super excited to hear about. I, I don't really know what's driving this, why the sudden change of heart in so many big ways. I mean, I know they had a lot of turnover on the coaching staff in the off season, but I figured that's why they made these changes in the first place in spring training, right? Like <laughs> that, that's why you agreed to things then. Why, why are you switching them now after 30 plus games? We're, we're 35 games into this season. You shouldn't already have made long-term decisions about players. You, you talked to Contreras in the off season. You met up with him and you decided that he was going to be a long-term fit for this team. And now he goes to spring training instead of playing in the WBC, which he really wanted to do. And he did that specifically to learn the pitching staff. And now you're telling us yeah. you're, not, you're not happy with his familiarity with the pitchers. You think Kisner's familiarity will help more with the game calling, which clearly it hasn't. Like Kisner hasn't done that much better of a job. We, we lose just as much with Kisner behind the plate as we do with Contreras. Like it, that, that was never the issue. And we're pinning the blame on Contreras. I don't think he's going to feel good about it. Like he, he might say that he's okay with it, but he definitely doesn't feel good about it. And it just looks like we're panicking for no reason. Like, yeah, it does. it's been really bad, but maybe – instead of blaming your catcher for your pitchers being bad, maybe you should look at your pitchers and your pitching uh, yeah. and your coaching staff. Like maybe you should look at that and rework that. Absolutely. There's plenty of pitchers that can be and traded. Right. I now. agree. We can go get them. Yes. Yeah. And there's been a lack of commitment on the pitching side of things too. Um, you see the Cardinals commit to Jordan Hicks, figuring it out. And it was great. He was, he seemed to be figuring it out. He was pitching really well. And he had seven straight scoreless appearances. And I was singing the praises of Jordan Hicks over that stretch. It was really nice. But just because he's had those scoreless appearances doesn't mean we just stick him right back in a high leverage role. Just, just let him keep figuring it out. Let him, let him get two months maybe of low leverage work under his belt. The Cardinals seem to be a very reactionary team right now. Uh, it, it feels like they're just throwing darts, throwing darts and hoping something sticks. And that's not the way you want to see your franchise operate. I, I, something I've always appreciated about the Cardinals and Moselock is that they are deliberative, they're intelligent, they make very calculated and very informed decisions, and it just hasn't felt that way this year. Um, You know, Woodford had a great spring, and I was more than happy to see him inserted into the starting rotation, but within four starts, they're already talking about removing him. Yeah, it hasn't been pretty, but if you're going to stick with Mats, why not stick with Woodford? He's been more encouraging than Mats. I mean, to be fair, he was only like a stop stopper for Wayno. Like, he was only really going to start, but... So like you sent him, like they were sent him to the pen. Yeah. I wasn't happy with Woodford starting like as long as like permanently. Like I wanted him to move back to the long relief role, which he's been really strong in until Wayno came back. Um, and he was strong. Like people might hate on Wainwright for whatever, like giving up four runs in five innings. Again, it's not should have pitched a scoreless game. 
not Wainwright's fault. For a couple of like really blatantly bad calls, both on the part of the umpire and the re- reviewers uh, yep. who just like didn't overturn a pretty obviously out call. So I don't know. I don't fault him for that. And I'm excited to see his next start. I think Wainwright's start was one of the really big positives this week until today, obviously where I want to talk about that before we end the show. Um, but Wainwright's start was a really positive thing. I watched him touch 89, which yeah, 89 is not a big deal for most pitchers, but for Adam Wainwright, that seems to me to be the critical point where his stuff plays. When Adam Wainwright's throwing 85, he's not an effective pitcher, but when Adam Wainwright gets his fastball up to the upper eighties, 88, 89, maybe even near 90, his stuff plays and he can be a very good pitcher. And so it was really exciting to see him do that. Very exciting to see him look like he had it. I'm really excited for his next start. I can't wait. Yeah, it'll be really fun for sure. Um, One more question here. What does this mean for Ivan Herrera? With Herrera, I think um, it's another sign that maybe Contreras' move to the outfield slash DH is only temporary because I know the organization wants him to get permanent reps at catcher. Yeah. Uh, I know um, that Barrera isn't really a long-term solution at all. You signed him to a minor deal. He's like in his 30s. Um, so I think that was maybe an indication from the front office that, hey, Contreras' move to the outfield is only temporary. Now, if they decide that Contreras, for whatever reason, is going to play left field slash DH for the rest of his time in St. Louis, which is ridiculous, like they should never make that decision, then Herrera might get called up um, to be the backup catcher and maybe Kisner gets traded, DFA'd, who knows. Um, yeah. I guess I guess that's the answer for now. Yeah, I mean, I think – the encouraging thing is the Cardinals have some really great organizational catching depth. Um, behind Herrera, you've got a couple of younger backs. Leonardo Bernal, especially. We talked about him a bit this offseason. He's very, very exciting. And Herrera's had a good year at Memphis. And then Ivan Rodriguez has been solid. Um, and then farther down, Jimmy Crooks is someone the Cardinals are really, really high on. Uh, we got to talk about him with Jeff Jones a little bit. But it's been, it's been a good year for a lot of those guys. And so the nice thing is the organizational depth is still there. However, I think you're right. I think you make a great observation. Herrera staying down, to me, makes it seem that Kisner's move is short-term. Because I think if he was going there forever, you'd see Herrera up. And you'd see him getting reps. Especially with the year he's putting together in Memphis. One more thing coming out of Memphis – I really want to see Libertor up here soon. I really want to see Libertor pitch. I, I don't care if it's this series or the next one. I want to see him pitch within the next two weeks. He is dominating at Memphis. He's been awesome this year. His fastball has way more life than it had last year. I think he's really turned a corner in his development. And I, I just, I think Cardinals fans should be really excited about what he brings to the table right now. Yeah, I think the move would be to send down Romero or Nail or Wood yeah. for- uh, Romero, send down Romero. Give yeah, move Mats to a um, a long relief spot for a little bit. I love it. And then have Libertor start maybe like three or four times, um, and then if he's really good, then yeah, um, stick him in the rotation. Mats in long relief, and if he struggles, then I guess maybe send him down to work on something or switch them again. Have him do some long relief before getting ready to start again, because I think he's shown a lot of promise down in Memphis. Will they move Mats to long relief where they're paying like, what, $11 million a year? Probably not not because they stuck with DeYoung, who was hitting to like a 400 OPS. DeYoung looked really good. 
I'll give this him this year. Young's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, what are the odds the Cardinals pick up his whatever fifteen million dollar option for next year? Ring <laughs> by the bay. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll have to see. I think it's going to be something that actually I, I'd love to talk about it um, in the next couple of weeks since we're starting to run near our time here. But I, I do think they're now considering picking up that option. If DeYoung has a decent year at the plate, continues to play premium defense, he hasn't been the problem yet defensively. He's I mean, really good. we have Mason Wynn waiting, so I don't know why we're going to pay $15 million to a guy. I don't think Wynn's going to be a decent year. I don't think Wynn makes the opening day roster next year, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, all we can really say is it's been tough. Today was a really nice reprieve, and I'm the most positive I've been about Cardinal baseball in a few days now. I keep telling myself 60 games. Mm-hmm. 60 games is what I'm giving myself uh, before I start to lose all hope. So 60 games, guys, 60 games. Uh, coming up, the Cardinals get the Cubs. In Wrigley tomorrow night, uh, things are going to start, and then we'll have an off day uh, before picking it up again after that, starting on I believe Friday. Yeah, against the Red Sox, who are red hot. Let's go. Um, <laughs> oh no! Unfortunately, against the Cubs, I believe the Cardinals drew Stroman, Tyone, and Steele in some order, which is a real shame. But we'll be countering with our best three pitchers, so the Cardinals will be throwing. I believe Flaherty, Michaelis, and Monty in not that order, but in order close to that. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Cubs fans reaction to the, to our new left fielder uh, is going to be. Yep. That'll be fun. Uh, they have Juan Yepes too. We didn't even mention Juan Yepes yet. Another, I mean, the Cardinals just have so many defensively limited bats right now and it's tough, really tough to construct a roster like that. Um, but yeah, so I think this is going to be a really tough series for the cards, but I think we turned a corner today. I really do. And so I'm going to say the cards are going to win their first series opener tomorrow. Book it. Cards win tomorrow night. They take two or three from the Cubs at Wrigley field. It's going to be a big series. I think you're going to look back at today because what I said about resilience earlier in the show, I think that's really important for a team. And I think the Cardinals today for the first time showed it. I mean, the Cardinals, the Cardinals had every reason to believe that it was just another one of those days. I'm watching the game. Jake Rogers goes yard and he only goes yard because Jojo Romero was put in the game when he shouldn't have been. And Jojo Romero was put in the game for no reason and then walked somebody. And all of that was preceded by a Tommy Edmund error that allowed the Tigers to load the bases down one. I mean, 42 year old Miguel Cabrera batting. How old he's not probably 40. I, I might be over exaggerating here, but ancient Miguel Cabrera batting 188 drives in a run. Like it it was just a perfect storm. Again, it seemed that way, but Brendan Donovan and the Cardinals were not down and they were not out. And the Cardinals roar back for seven runs in the bottom half of that frame, tack on a couple insurance runs late in the game and get a big win. And so I think that resilience, I hadn't seen that yet in this team all year, seriously. First time I've seen it. And so I think, I think that's really important. And I think team morale is going to be much better. Yeah. I mean, Miguel Cabrera's farewell tour certainly hasn't gotten off to the same start um, as Albert Pujols. Like even Pujols at this point in the season last year, his OPS plus wasn't 26. So um, yeah, it was tough to see, see him get a hit um, in a big moment there. But yeah, I think that 
that sums it up. I, I'm not as optimistic as you. I still don't think the Cardinals have a great chance to make the playoffs, but it was it was a fun game today. I'm not going to say great. I'm not going to say great. I'm just going to say the Cardinals have been down and out a lot worse than they are right now. Yeah. Never forget 2021 playoff odds bottom out in August at 0.1%. Cards roar back and make the playoffs with a rotation that consisted of Lester, Hap, Wainwright, Michaelis, Kwang Yun Kim and Wade LeBlanc, a six-man rotation comprised of those guys. Never forget. I mean, if this team won 17 games in a row, I will I will believe again, but that has only ever happened once in franchise history. I know. I'm not saying we're going to win 17 in a row, but I think the Cardinals can go on a sustained, a sustained pat, like period of winning. I really do. I, I don't think it's crazy to see us let me ask this last question. This is something I've been asking a lot of people. We'll close the show right here. If you hear at the end of the year that two teams from the NL Central make the playoffs, is one of those teams the Cardinals? Be realistic here. I mean, obviously it's the Pirates and the Reds, but no, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> the Cardinals and the Brewers, um, I think. Exactly. And if you hear that a team that's not the Brewers makes the playoffs from the Central, it's the Cardinals. I, I do think the Cardinals – I'm not scared of the Pirates. I don't care how far they get out in front of us. I'm not scared of the Pirates, especially without O'Neill Cruz. I'm not scared at all. The Reds are terrible, and I, I don't think the Cubs have it in them to win all year long. So I, I'll say it. I, I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to make – I don't think the odds are incredible, but I don't think these doomsday prognostications are correct either. Cardinals, it's May. It sucks right now, but I think they're in it. So that's what we've got for you today. A little bit more positive than our last – episode uh even after a really tough week we're really excited for these coming series um yeah you know shout out to all the fans that were at the game today Forty-five thousand strong <laughs> it kills andrew to see everyone there when he wants the front office to spend more money i know <laughs> uh, but yeah thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of new news be sure to like comment uh and subscribe to us on youtube share us with all your friends um yeah uh, it's just our, it's our honor to be able to provide this content. We love it so much. So we'll see you guys all around the same time next week. And then we're going to be starting up our summer schedule soon, where instead of once a week, we'll be doing series, um, series recaps after each individual series. So we'll be on here even more uh, flooding your feed with even more fantastic content. We're also excited to announce that we've got some cool guest appearances in the works. Can't really give you any additional details on that right now. Um, but hopefully we'll have those sorted out soon and we'll be ready to have some awesome people on the show. All right, everybody have a great day. Uh, go birds.